Whisperer on a podcast. I don't go to whisper. This is my everyone normal voice. Does. It's people I always peak. As soon as we do a pre-record, sure everyone's in it goes to like, "Hello, so I'm just on the phone to a really yeah, important right, family mom, member." I'm Colin. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to Movies, Movies, Movies. I'm Jen. This is Andre. I forgot that we were doing it together. I thought Jen was taking the reins. This week we're prioritizing beautiful, long, unbroken auteur takes with our first fully pre-recorded episode. Enoch and Priya are taking on independent directorial debuts Talk To Me and The Sweet East, the first famous for being the little Adelaide horror that could, and The Sweet East famous for being brave enough to start its title with the... Nick Pinkerton is also going to join Bruce Kasaba in Spotlight later on in the show, and they're going to talk about what it takes to go from being critique to screenwriter and what the difference is and whether there is a difference, to be honest. Before we start our first beautiful pre-recorded show, I'd like to ask for a small pause to acknowledge people who've made unforgettable contributions to moving image culture that we've lost recently and haven't yet acknowledged on this show. So if you're driving... Uh, close your eyes, take your hand off the wheel, and your feet off the pedals. Uh, Andre, would you like to start it off? Paul Rubens, famed for Tim Burton's... No. Oh my gosh. Oh, no, I we're just almost... listing names. We're not oh, gonna... We're names? Okay. We'll do... I think we just list names. We don't do eulogies. Is that okay? Paul Rubens. Angus Cloud. Shanene O'Connor. Rashida Williams or Coco Dodol. And Tina Turner. Wait, Tina Turner was ages ago, though. But I know, but we just never acknowledged it. We never acknowledged it. And no. that was really important that we acknowledged it. You're literally having a panic attack. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Movies, Movies, Movies. My name is Priya. I'm joined by my co-host Enoch. And I just took a DNA test, just found out. I'm 100% that bitch. How you been, Priya? I've been really, really good. What's happening this week? We've watched two movies. We've reviewed The Sweet Ease. <laughs> and talked to me. Two beautiful Australian British core films. <laughs> um, we're just going to dive straight into it. And is Bruce doing an interview or something? Bruce is interviewing the the screenwriter of The Sweet East, Nick Pinkerton, who is also uh, an incredible critic, film critic. Let's get straight into it. Take two. Let's hit the trailer. You busy tonight? You want to turn, eh? My mum leaves at nine. Say so at ten. <laughs> yes! Where'd you get it from anyway? Apparently it was the hand of someone who could connect with the dead. I heard it was the hand of a Satanist. And the other hand's just out there. White people shit, man, I tell you. <laughs> All right, let's do this! And that was the trailer for Talk To Me. Priya, do you remember how everyone in their indoor plants scrambled Hunger Games style to get that assistant curator film job at AGNSW? Yeah, I remember. Well, if you didn't get the job this movie is for you, <laughs> the Racka Racka Brothers' wholesome YouTube variants of the Janoskians carefully craft their debut horror talk to me. Inspired by the bogan suburban filmic culture of documenting vulnerable addicts for clicks, propped up by the avid support of our friendly neighbourhood bureaucrat Screen Australia 
and the alleged lump sum donation of a super fan. Can we get a rumor fact checked on that one? Who this, told us that? Someone I don't, told somebody us Somebody told us that. I think maybe we also might have heard that through our own heads. But mm. this wide fun only puff and play allegory is placed on the fourth day of your binge when those voices get a bit too loud and the body's getting a bit man's never been in monkey when it's shut down. This had the elements and frameworks of a really memorable kick-ons, which is that it's a bit scary, it's got DMs, there's a white trans mass bully played by the handsome Zoe Tarakis at the helm giving you a trauma bump. And a trauma bump is when someone goes on a trauma dump after a bump. And more importantly, Chandelier by Sia is playing off a Yui Boom on 5%. Point is, I fully stim out when people from Adelaide talk to each other through popular media. These South Basin twins have sung a song to themselves about a tiny moment in their childhood that stuck with them forever. And I don't know what it is about them, but they make me feel like an ASL grandfather, having to describe them by just the simple and effective phrase, good boys, good boys. <laughs> Sophie Wilde's phenomenal performance, she's also a writer on this. In, oh, she's got a writer's credit on this? Yeah, she's got a writer's credit on this. Oh, a bit she, of improv. <laughs> Bit of improper house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She perfectly portrays what it means to grieve and spe- um and the specificity of when that is undercut by an Australian cruelty only specific to its youth culture here. And for talk to me, it looks like an affair with your girlfriend with a foot fetishist unresolved spirit, making out with a dog, crazy frog in a movie with a huge chunk set in the Australian medical hospital. I mean, why was there no scene of the doctors and nurses trying to diagnose a possession? Point is, the movie makes you feel like you've walked through a spider web at a cruising spot. Or, you know, when toddlers, <laughs> you know, when toddlers hold like a 20 cent coin in their mouth, it's it's like kind of disgusting <laughs> and unhinged. But, but you want to keep watching. You want to keep watching, but it is forgivable and so. And my theory is that Great Horror will always leave the door open for its heroes to get out. Mm. I genuinely was scared because the thing about me, Priya, is that I was scared of dentists in the dark. I was scared of pretty girls and starting conversations. All my friends are turning green. You're the magician's assistant in their dreams. Priya, hit us with the wolf noise. Oh. <laughs> yes. did a, and they come unstuck. Nah, a bit of decorum. And they come unstuck. Also, like, texting 0409945945, what do those lyrics of Vance Joy's... What does the lyrics of Vance Joy's riptide mean? mean? Okay, but Priya, I just watched it with you, and you seem to be actually attached to the screen the whole time. What did you think of it? Well, I watched the movie through a microscope, quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) I turned to you, and you had your hands around one eye, one... I was, I knew the jump scare was coming. The thing about, okay, the thing about me is I always know when a jump scare is coming, whether I'm at a party or in a cinema. (laughs) And I had my hands in a fist as if I was looking through binoculars. Because the thing about me and Enoch is we love to pull a microscope. I actually don't know. What are your thoughts on the genre horror? Okay, so my, okay, okay, so I was dating someone. I told them that my favourite genre is horror and they sat me down and told me that that's actually a cop-out and that i actually need to consume some proper cinema so you basically got mansplained into no i got mansplained that horror isn't an actual genre and then i realized that i was coasting on defining myself by being a spooky girl yeah and so i just stopped watching horror films all in all oh my god that's that's really horrible did you um That's the real fright. What did you think about the movie? I don't like how it was shot. Oh. (laughs) Well, I just didn't really like the colour grey. Yeah. So it kind of threw the whole thing for me. Also, Sophie Wilde's haircut, what was going on? 
I think I asked you like five times, what is this haircut? The, her hair was styled perfectly when it was post-possession. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the gel and the hair on the highway. <laughs> that's when I was like, okay, that's like, that's now, high fashion. And now it's finally sitting on her head properly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and did you, that Raka Raka vlog, when they announced the acquiring of A24 of their film? So we watched the Waka Waka. <laughs> <laughs> this time for Africa. <laughs> yeah, Shakira's uh, hit song. Um, we watched the A20, the vlog where they go to Sundance and find out that their film was acquired by A24, obviously goosebump inducing. We love a moment when someone knows they've just made millions of dollars, (laughs) but there's a moment in that vlog where Sophie Wilde's told that they've been acquired by A24. Yeah. And she's crying. The cinematographer's crying. Crying. They're in Sundance with their beanies on. They're talking about who's DMing them from Steven Spielberg to... To Ari Aster, to Jordan Peele. But no, (laughs) no Greta Gerwig in the DMs. (laughs) No Greta Gerwig in the DMs at all. Yeah. But anyway, I guess it was interesting because it was a sort of vlog perspective. At the end of the day, they are YouTubers. They captured the internet really well on it. Because I, like, as somebody who's written something based on the internet, I'm just like, I cringe immediately every time I... Well, they really nailed the um, FaceTime, the looking back at like snap, old Snapchat stories with her and her mom. Yeah. And, um, you know, like you said in the movie, it's like in that moment, you know that the, mother, the mother's not happy. Yeah. She's smiling in that video. <laughs> yes. It's so funny. Hey! Man, excuse me! Oh my god, oh my god, I'm so sorry, we're not a threat. Don't don't look at us like that. Sorry, I'm Yeah, no. (laughs) Who are you? Hi, I'm Molly. Molly McNair. And I'm Matthew. Matthew Sutter. (laughs) Sorry, you make us feel so crazy. Like you're in Oh my god. It's like you stepped out of my brain. Yeah. And we're like Like we saw you walking down and we're like, that's our girl, that's the woman. Like it's it's she I see you're turning butter yeah, now. Yeah, it's perfect. You No, you literally turn the butter. butter. Yeah, um, we're filmmakers. Like movie directors? Yes, exactly. I'm her producer. I'm, that's why we're chasing I'm you. I'm the director. Because you are a vidget. I would just really love if you came in and read for something that I've been working on for a very long time. I'm sorry, I'm not an actress. No, 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 that's okay. That's okay because the best actress is just a woman who says yes. And that was the Sweet East trailer. Hit us, Priya, with your review. Sweet East is the directorial debut of cinematographer Sean Price-Williams and written by Nick Pinkerton, the critic's critic. Okay. Uh, who, uh, coming up in Spotlight, Bruce has actually got an interview with Nick. Oh, good for Bruce. Very exciting. Uh, it's a picaresque odyssey. Every movie is an odyssey these days. Okay. Through contemporary America. Undertaken by a young woman named Lillian, who's played by Talia Ryder, who gets granted access to the strange sex and cults that proliferate in America by a series of gatekeepers eager to win her over. She grants herself access like all teenage girls do. Lewis Carroll-like projections onto young white women. She's defined by passivity and throws around the hard R like most Red Scale listeners who can't back why they're suddenly allowed to, but do so anyway. It's okay, I was one of them. But I love when Jacob Elordi calls her out for resting on it too much and says, when Jacob Elordi calls her out, he says, you have a love affair with that word, my mystery friend. She sits and observes until a vibe shift happens, whether that's a shooting happening on a film set or simply bored of wooing Simon Rex's character, an academic moonlighting as a white supremacist. 
and simply walks away into another world of vagabond. There's a classic structure of a character who's being used by others as a vehicle for their own narrative by other characters. She's constantly centred by them so they can test out their own performative intentions with her, just like Enoch and I when we <laughs> talk to Deb on Monday mornings. <laughs> Love you, Deb. Jeremy O'Harris and Io Adibri play a delusional director-producer duo, desperate to have a star in their bizarre butter-themed period film, As It Churned. Lillian becomes the ultimate vehicle for projection, which all actors are. Mm. That was also our favorite. Enoch and I have agreed that that was our favorite uh, vignette in the film. Yeah. Um, so it seems like everyone in this film is paranoid but her. Why? Because teenage girls are constantly in fight or flight. They need to constantly <laughs> reinvent or rebrand like pop stars do, while simultaneously figuring out how to play up the expectations of others. Because you know what I always say, Enoch? What do you, and you always say this. I always say this. Teenage girls know how to maneuver and withhold situations from people on their own terms. And to quote Jeffrey Eugen... You, who You know the guy who wrote Lolita? What's his name? Jeffrey Eugenides? Yes. We knew finally that the girls were really women in disguise, that they understood love and even death, and that our job was merely to create the noise that seemed to fascinate them. Okay. And to quote our resident film buff, Gus McGrath, again spelt buff like B-U-F-F, <laughs> <laughs> they made Scary of 61st for boys who aspire to be the Unabomber. We've also got a Stealing Beauty mirror scene. There's a vignette that's giving Lolita the sequel. And then there's Jacob Elordi basically playing himself with a British accent. It's a movie you need to watch in in its entirety. And then you kind of need to scrub through it. And as you do, with the snippets and all, you start to love it and understand it. Mm -hmm. This is where I introduce the idea of scrub core. Okay, what's scrub core? Well, it's when you want to have some sen- a sense of control while you watch a film. <laughs> so you, you can replay and hover to see what's next to gain some kind of autonomy. Kind of like you're in the editing suite, but you're actually on your laptop watching a screen. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why movies are now made to be streamed these days, so exactly, we can scrub yeah. through. Some, fil- some films are suited for that, some not so much. But also, at the end of the day, we've been, give, we've been given hodgepodge's indie cinema shot through a murky Vaseline lens. It's another movie where people with clout and access make whatever they think of, the first thing they think of, and getting that acquired. Oof. But to quote the movie, the best actress is just a woman who says yes, mm-hmm. the best screenwriter is just a critic who says yes, okay. and the best director is just a cinematographer who says yes. And to that, I say yes. <laughs> America's already said everything they need to say about themselves. A movie from America in itself is already commentary on America. So we don't need to get so macro about mm, it. Yeah, exactly. But at the end of the day, I loved the movie. Yeah. It felt like I was watching Nomadland again. It was giving Nomadland for Red Scare listeners. I, I feel like you've just made me understand what I just watched. Do you know what my favourite line was? And that's was? why we're a perfect team. What was your favourite the, the line was like, um, the line of dialogue was just an activist. And then the line is, stuff for, like, elections and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) What does that even mean? (laughs) She doesn't know what an activist is. Yeah. What was that other... I also liked the... um, When she was in the boat and and he's like, the water really imbues a real sense of epic destiny. I I just loved that. Doesn't sound southern it sounds period accurate and we're in rehearsals <laughs> right <laughs> i don't though i really fell in love with jeremy o'harris in this finally because it took me a while to like maybe understand his fanfare well i feel like it's kind of obviously he's playing a character in this but it's given me some sort of context around his actual tone of voice yeah yeah that's true you know and he's funny he's really funny in this i think he stole it with um ao 
This is why we shouldn't be... Well, we're professionalising and we shouldn't be... We've got the worst recall because as soon as I leave a movie, I have forgotten about it. Yeah. Enoch and I will be in a situation and something will have happened and the next day I'll call you and be like, can you tell me what happened again? Like, and you'll be like, no, you tell me. And it's like we're trying to... It's like we're trying to reanalyze the situation, but really we just have no idea what's actually happened. <laughs> we forgot it. <laughs> we're like, what did he say again? <laughs> Every time I talk to Jen and Andre on the phone. Yeah. Spotlight. Upcoming is Bruce's interview with Pinkerton. Nick Pinkerton himself. Um, and that was another beautiful review. See you all next week. Bye. This is Bruce Cassava from Movies, Movies, Movies on FBI. You're about to listen to a conversation between me and critic turned screenwriter Nick Pinkerson about his new movie, The Sweet East. Years ago, I read uh, a quote from the great English, sort of all purposes critic, but mostly known as a theater critic, Ken Tynan. And he said something to the effect of, I'm paraphrasing badly, that criticism is something that, you know, that has a shelf life and that you can really only be a full-time critic for I think the uh, the outlier that he gave was 10 years. And I don't ever have any intention of ceasing to write about films, but I have observed that even the best film writers tend to start repeating themselves after a certain amount of time. And I don't think I'm exempt from that at all. Um, I think I had always some kind of an idea that I'd like to change up my relationship to the medium mm. and that being able to do that, you know, would not only hopefully kind of keep me interested, but also give me some perspective on filmmaking that I'd previously been lacking. And I've been at it for over 10 years, maybe in my full-time freelance practice that totaled about a decade. But sometime back, I, I had it in the back of my head that it would probably behoove me if I was going to continue to be effective as a writer or to bring forward some observations that weren't just reheated, you know, decade-old observations that I, I needed to kind of change up my practice a little bit. Yeah. I wonder what kind of severance package critics get, do you think, after 10 years? <laughs> um, well, if you've, if you've never actually been employed, uh, <laughs> it may surprise you to learn that the severance package is not quite the golden parachute uh, that you know, one might like. Yes, but in those 10 years, you have kind of been able to assess quite a bit I imagine and I can only imagine how that would um have helped you or aided you in kind of your perspective in writing The Sweet East. I found while watching it you seem to be very uh fluent in American social illiteracy in a way um all these kind of people on the fringe who kind of can't come together in the middle per se why kind of write something about this kind of I mean where, where does this idea come from yeah I mean I think 
a lot of it came from just observing a ever escalating lunacy, uh, sort of ambient lunacy, um, and wanting to kind of find something that would be able to perhaps distill some of that. And, you know, just kind of to use a phrase I've probably used too many times already, but to just sort of take the temperature of uh, things a little bit. And I mean, I think, yeah, obviously the milieu is specifically American, but, you know, as I don't think we have any monopoly on social illiteracy <laughs> uh, or uh, sort of divisiveness taken to such a point where there are people living in close contact practically with one another who may as well be on different planets or in different solar systems. Taking the temperature, would you say we're kind of on the hotter end of the scale of the thermometer or uh, where's it looking at the moment? Well, I will say this. When I wrote the first draft of the screenplay, which would have been finished probably in spring or summer of 2017, uh, and a lot of the kind of basic structural elements didn't change much from that point on, what did actually you know, change was there were various aspects of the screenplay which seemed far-fetched at the time when I was writing that first draft. And as the years passed, uh, I felt like, oh, I actually, like reality has gotten so much more insane that, you know, something that was a bit perhaps over the top uh, or burlesque mm -hmm. like two years earlier now has to be pushed further in order to kind of keep up with the lunacy of current events. I would say that um, you do quite push it, but I don't think it's ever out of this world in a sense. But it does have this whole feeling of this kind of such a ease with it, looseness, and it kind of seems like it's coming together as I was watching it, you know, as if you were writing it still. I think a lot of that has to be credited to Sean, who has a documentary background and, you know, he's, you know, has a diversity of styles as a cameraman, but I think one of the things that distinguishes his work so much is that it does have that feeling of unfolding before you, and this is part of what made it you know, in addition to the fact, of course, that I have a long uh, relationship with Sean as friends, but part of what made it a alluring prospect is knowing that myself, I'm a somewhat more orderly person uh, as a writer, and am, you know, I hope fairly attentive to uh, sort of structural issues and you know things about sort of cadence from scene to scene. Uh, but that Sean would insert a sensibility that is much more intuitive than my own um, and take something that might have been uh, a little dry or schematic and kind of open it up and break it up, open a little bit. And then to, I mean, an enormous amount of credit for that goes to our entire cast, but I think especially Talia Ryder, um, who 
I think gave so much more depth to these characters than they had on the page. Um, and I mean, this really goes across the board, but I have to always single out Talia by virtue of the fact that she's in every scene of the movie and it really sinks or swims on the basis of her performance. And I could not be more grateful that it is her who took on that burden. That was Nick Pinkerton, screenwriter of The Sweet East, talking to Movies, 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 Bruce Kasaba. Thank you so much for joining us on this experimental first take of a pre-recorded episode. If you want to catch up on every single uncut gem of Movies, 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 head to Instagram, type in movies underscore movies underscore movies, and you never know. Underscore. Oh, and then one more underscore. And you never know, we might have a little freebie giveaway to land in your pocket. I wanted to pass over to Deb back at mornings on FBI Radio 94.5 and leave you with a little one-liner. First you get the money, then you get the power, respect, and the Sacramento blockbuster making $1 billion at the worldwide box office always comes last.